the title of our sermon this morning, Joyful Fellowship with Christ and His Church. Joyful Fellowship with Christ and His Church. The word fellowship, congregation of our Lord and Savior, is a word that Christians use quite often. And that's a good thing because the word fellowship is very much found in the Bible. It's a translation of the Greek word, as many of you will know, koinonia. It means sharing, participation, or in the King James Version, translated communion. The basic meaning is to share something together in common, to have a, a common life together. It was used in the first century world to describe sharing in a business enterprise, in the citizenship of a country, in marriage, in friendship. And so, for example, in Scripture, we read that James and John were partners. That's that word, the fellowship word. They were partners with Simon in the common pursuit of fishing. However, much more frequently in the Scripture, we find the word fellowship used to express spiritual realities. Paul and Titus shared in the common, that's the word fellowship, faith, Titus 1.4. Christian believers all partake of the grace of God together, that is in fellowship. They're called into the fellowship in Jesus Christ and to share together, same word fellowship, in spiritual blessings. To have Christian fellowship means to share in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit teaches us how to live in the light of all that Christ has done and taught. However, you and I at times may well use the term fellowship to mean little more than socializing or chewing the fat with one another in the church community. Let's have some fellowship together after the service over coffee, we might say. True Christian fellowship takes place when believers share together in the life they have together in Christ. So, coffee or tea after the service, which we plan this morning after our service today, is a good thing when we talk to others about the knowledge we have of God, about the grace of God in our lives, when we pray with one another, when we encourage one another, when we share together in the sufferings and the blessings of knowing the Lord. Fellowship is one of the great joys of the Christian life, a foretaste congregation of the paradise yet to come, which we may already enjoy now. So our focus this morning is on joyful fellowship with Christ and his church. We're going to be looking at those two verses in particular from 1 John. Let me read them to us again. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. If you've heard me preach before, you'll know that ordinarily there are three points to a sermon, and there are this morning. And the first one is sharing in Christ, the second sharing in church, and the third sharing in joy. So let's look at the first one now, sharing in Christ. So, you can mix many different things together. This morning I mixed milk together with my cereal. You can mix red and blue 
We know that arrives at a different colour. You can mix in the atmosphere oxygen and nitrogen. You can mix copper and gold. You can mix honey and lemon juice. But you cannot mix together light and darkness. The two cannot coexist together. Where light is present, darkness is necessarily absent. And John writes about the message which he and the other apostles received from God and proclaimed that is reported to others, including those to whom this letter was first written. And he says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We know from the Bible, and we heard it earlier on, that each one of us, being descendants from Adam, the first man, that man who rebelled against God, that we are naturally in spiritual darkness. Psalm 14 puts it this way. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Naturally, not one of us has any fellowship, any partnership, any sharing, any communion with God. Can you see that? He is holy, but naturally we are unholy. He is spirit, the living God. In contrast, we are naturally dead in our trespasses and sins without any spiritual life. God is righteous, absolutely good, and only ever does good. He's perfectly moral in all his being and everything he says and does. In contrast, you and I are naturally unrighteous, not always doing good, not perfectly moral. All this to say, congregation, that there is naturally no basis at all for any fellowship between people like us and God. He's all light, and we naturally are all darkness. There can be no mixing, there can be no fellowship, no sharing. So how can John write those astounding words in our text? Our fellowship is with the Father. And the answer is found right after that, in the remainder of the verse, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God in human flesh. He is both human and divine. He is God in the person of the Son. And unlike you and me and everybody else who has ever lived, Jesus has no human father. He didn't inherit this corrupt, dark nature of Adam. And so the spiritual darkness of Psalm 14 doesn't apply at all to Jesus, for he is holy, he is righteous, he is perfectly moral, always having fully and willingly obeyed the law of God. How then can people like you and me have a sharing or a fellowship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God? What possibly could we have in common with him? The answer is that we can only have this fellowship because of what God has done in and through Jesus Christ. Firstly, in that Jesus lived a perfect life. He demonstrated this absolute righteousness, this perfect morality and holiness. He was and is the light of the world. 
And this letter writer, John, personally knew Jesus. He'd seen him with his own eyes. He's touched him with his own hands. He was an eyewitness to the events of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. John knew that Jesus had died a painful and unjust just death on a cross. And that's the second part of what we share in common with Christ in his life and death and resurrection. At Calvary, Jesus hung suspended between heaven and earth, rejected by God and man. He took upon himself all the sins of all God's people to bear the full weight of God's perfect justice against the rebellion of people like us. So here is the good news for all who believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life in their place and died for their rebellion against God. God is pleased to accept the faith, that belief, as the means or the instrument by which he brings us into fellowship with his Son. And we can only have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. John puts it this way. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. And that's what we heard this morning. We heard Peter and Yvonne confessing Jesus Christ. So Peter and Yvonne have fellowship with Christ. And because they have fellowship with Christ, they have fellowship with God. They share life together with the living God. Praise the Lord. Where do you stand this morning with regard to God? Where do you stand? Do you have a, a fellowship, a, a partnership, a sharing with God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? One of the reasons why I'm here today is to call anybody who doesn't to come to Jesus so that you may escape the wrath to come. If you have a fellowship with God, if you have a fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible calls you and me and all Christians to join themselves to a local church where Christian believers have fellowship with one another. And that brings us to our second point this morning, sharing in church. Now, those of you who know me well know that I love the outdoors. I love running and tramping in mountains. It really spins my dials. I love to enjoy the beauty and the scale and the magnificence of God's creation. And what better place to do that than in the South Island of New Zealand? On my recent pulpit exchange to Tasmania, there were a few people in the Launceston congregation who also enjoyed the outdoors. They invited me and some others to go on a tramp. And we participated together in some wonderful times in the bush. We had, had a common interest in that activity together. But there was so much more that we shared together. It wasn't tramping. It wasn't mountains. It was Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in whom we had a sharing, a participation, a common interest. We had fellowship together in him. And John is writing this letter so that others would know what Christ has done. And it's clear from this epistle that many already did. They were believers in Jesus Christ. And John's wishes expressed that you too may have fellowship with us. Why did John want believers to have fellowship 
with him. It was because he wanted to see the church grow. He desired to see people come to Jesus. And that's why he wrote a gospel. And I quote from his gospel. He writes in chapter 20, verse 31, this is the purpose for which he wrote the gospel, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. When individual believers have a fellowship with Christ, a sharing in the spiritual life which he's won for them, then they also, also and automatically, if you will, have a fellowship with one another. So today, Peter and Yvonne and their daughter, Sophia, have been baptized into the fellowship of believers here in this local community of the church. Sophia's baptism does not mean that she believes in Jesus Christ. Her baptism does not mean that she has spiritual life in her. Her baptism is not some magical event that somehow automatically changes her when the water touches her forehead. But her baptism is a sign that God makes promises to be God to both believers and their children, as he did to Abraham, Genesis 17.7. Sophia's baptism is a confirmation that God always delivers on his promises. We do not know what God will do in Sophia's life, but we do have a hope and an expectation based upon God's promises that he may be pleased to bring her, the child of believing parents, to saving faith, if he has not already done so. Part of the outworking of our fellowship with Peter and Yvonne is the assisting of them in the instruction and the raising in the Christian faith of their daughter, Sophia, by word and example. Today also we look forward to the celebration of Lord's Supper a sacrament which points to the reality of the fellowship of Christ's body, the church, with Christ himself, the head. The scriptures express this precious sharing together in Christ in this way, in 1 Corinthians 10:16. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation? That's our word, fellowship again. Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a participation? fellowship word again, in the body of Christ. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. See, Lord's Supper confirms our sharing together in Christ as believers, but also our sharing together with one another as his church, as the local community of believers in this place. And I believe that Peter and Yvonne, you are the first Chinese Christians to be members of this church in our 65 year history it's pretty special by God's abundant grace this church is becoming more and more a multinational community multicultural community as the Lord continues to gather his church here one of the blessings of the mixture of language and culture is that we increasingly find our common life not in our own personal histories not in our own individual languages and cultures but in Christ himself now we know that this diversity can be challenging for us as a people we adjust to differences in the way we think can speak and behave 
However, this blessing is a blessing from the Lord which reflects the, the unifying coming together of God's people. Apostle Paul writes about this in uh, these words in Galatians 3.28. He says there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Jesus Christ. The words all one in Jesus Christ speak of the fellowship we have with one another, the sharing in the life, death, and resurrection of our Savior. It's a common interest which transcends all of our individual backgrounds, languages, cultures, personalities. It's a precious thing. So, as we gather for coffee and tea and something to eat after the service, I'd encourage you to fellowship together with the diversity of the people that the Lord is bringing into this church at this time. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Remember the cost that Christ paid to bring the church together into fellowship with him so that we may have fellowship with one another. I'd encourage you today to share together in the joy of Christian fellowship, which brings us to our final point, sharing in joy. You and I both know that there are many people in this world that are looking, searching for happiness. And there's actually nothing wrong with that as long as we don't search for happiness in all the wrong places. Why Solomon possessed material wealth and was able to experience more of the world's pleasures than probably all of us ever will. And he said to himself in Ecclesiastes 2.1, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. And the result, why Solomon found, was only dissatisfaction and despair. He writes, Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I'd expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So many people, you and I know, have looked for happiness in the things of this world, only to discover the emptiness, the utter emptiness of everything when they have no fellowship with God. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Balanced, healthy people want to be happy. Don't you? <laughs> I do. Whilst the Bible uses the word joy far more frequently than the word happy, the ratio is about 1 to 10, so 10 times more occurrences of joy than of happiness, a person who is joyful tends to experience the emotion of being happy even in the most difficult of circumstances. Richard Wurmbrand, a Romanian Christian minister of Jewish descent, last century experienced imprisonment and torture by the communist regime of Romania. Many of us will know he founded the international organization Voice for the Martyrs. And he wrote many books, the most well-known of which is Tortured, for Christ, in which he describes suffering for the Lord in prison. Let me quote. He writes, It was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners, as it is in captive nations today. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching, so we accepted their terms. It was a deal. 
We preached and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everybody was happy. Clearly, Pastor Vermbrandt's happiness was not based on the sufferings of his circumstances, but rather in the words of James, he counted it all joy having met various trials. We know that there are many faithful Christians in the homeland of Peter and Yvonne in China who are currently being beaten and tortured for their faith. They know only too well what it is to abundantly share in Christ's sufferings. In the Bible, the prophet Habakkuk was greatly saddened by the Lord's destructive judgment upon his rebellious people Israel by the hands of the Babylonians. He wrote those words that many of us know. And he speaks of the sadness of the society around him. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet, he writes, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Brothers and sisters, as we persevere through the difficulties and sufferings and trials of life, God, with God's help, our faith is strengthened and it matures. And by God's grace, we can truly be happy in spite of the most testing of earthly circumstances. Why? Because we share in Christ. Christian joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit which results from being in fellowship with God and being in a right relation with him. And so it's really no surprise that John writes, and we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And you might think, well, that sounds a bit self-focused for John to write to his, write about his own joy being made fulfilled or complete when he's writing to ha about having fellowship with God. In fact, it seems that some of the early scribes, when copying the manuscripts, thought that that was a little bit self-focused, and they changed in a few manuscripts art own joy to your joy when they copied it. But there's actually no difference because in Christian fellowship when one person has joy it is shared with those with whom he or she has fellowship. Because Christian joy is grounded in a right relationship with God, it is shared by all those who are in fellowship with God and his son the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is a joyful occasion. Our fellowship together with Peter and Yvonne and Sophia is pointed to by the sacrament of baptism. A joyful occasion because today our fellowship with Christ is pointed to by the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And some people ask me, well, should I be happy or sad when I come to the Lord's Supper table? I don't know if you've ever thought about that question. What do you think? Well, my answer is both, and I'll explain briefly. We are proclaiming the Lord's death, 1 Corinthians 11:26. We're remembering the crucifixion of a truly innocent man who died in the place of guilty sinners like you and me. I'm saddened that my rebellion against God cost him so much suffering and pain. In the words of him 274, which we'll sing later by God's grace, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. It's a somber sacrament, Lord's Supper. But we also proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus did not stay dead. He's alive. 
God raised him from the grave. As in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. There is great joy at the celebration of Lord's Supper because we celebrate and we rejoice in the victory that Christ has won over sin and death. And so in the words of Psalm 73c that we'll again by God's grace sing a little later, in sweet communion, Lord, with thee, I constantly abide. My hand thou holdest in thine own to keep me near thy side. Fellowship with God the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, brings great happiness, great joy for all who share in that person and work of Christ. It is the sweetest of communions. This fellowship not grounded, as we've said, upon language or culture, but upon Christ alone. So will you commit yourself again today, brothers and sisters, to joyful fellowship together with the diversity of God's people in this place or wherever else you worship? There's so much more to fellowship than coffee and tea and food after the service. It's a sharing together in the life we have in Christ. So friend, perhaps you've been hearing this sermon this morning and you come to realize perhaps for the first time, that you're actually not in a relationship with God. You, you don't know that fellowship with God or with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You've come to realize, perhaps even for the first time, that you are actually spiritually dead. That there's a terrible weight of God's judgment that falls upon you or is wish to fall upon you. What should you do? What must you do to be saved? Well, the Bible is clear, and I'll issue the call now. It's come to Christ. Admit that you've not loved God with your whole being, with your, your heart, your soul, and mind. Be honest and confess that you haven't loved other people as much as you've loved yourself. Turn away from this loveless life and turn to God. Believe that Jesus Christ died in your place for your lack of love so that you could have fellowship with him and with his heavenly Father. And come and find the joy that is to be found only in Jesus Christ and stop looking for it in all the wrong places. This precious joy is to be found in Christ alone by all those who are in fellowship with him. Amen.